brothers and sisters. It gives me great joy to read again with you these words that are so familiar, of course, to us. There's a saying that um, familiarity breeds content. There's a possibility that we hear something that is so special in and of itself, and we hear it so often, that we lose the sense of its importance, its poignancy, its biblical meaning and significance for us as well, as for those who were, went before us. It's a good thing that we read these passages and stories regarding the incarnation of him who is the hope of the entire world. There is no hope without the Lord Jesus Christ for the entire world, for all mankind. There are various aspects that we can try to highlight as ministers from year to year. You know, you go back to these passages and you say, in a given year, now how am I going to bring something new <laughs> that they haven't heard already? Uh, that is not my goal. Um, uh, we've ho heard the story, we know what it says, uh, so I don't have, I don't see that as my mission to uh, have you come uh, away from this message and say, well, I've never heard that before. And if you do hear something that you've never heard before, I was probably wrong. <laughs> because uh, there shouldn't be any of that kind of novelty in all likelihood. Um, we're just basically retelling the narrative uh, regarding the birth of the eternal Son of God, our Lord Jesus Christ. What I would like to do in this message regarding um, the announcement by Gabriel to Mary about the birth of her son, our Savior, is to uh, look at that in the perspective of how her missions, how her acceptance of the mission uh, to give birth to the Messiah required Mary's complete surrender. Um, and that comes to the surface more towards the end of the message when we think about the consequences the consequences of Mary's response to um, this um, most unique mission that was commissioned upon her. Um, the role that Mary has is a unique role. In this sermon, I'm not taking the opportunity to have an anti-Mariology message for you. Uh, you'll hear enough to indicate where I stand on that. But uh, the purpose is simply to focus on the announcement that is brought to Mary and what that means for her, but also for you and me. Um, so we're not just standing at a distance and we again say, oh, this is what happened then. But how is what happened then speaking to you today? And how are we to live as a result of hearing the message regarding the Incarnation? What were Mary's qualifications? When we look at verse 28 and 29, we simply read the following. And he came to her, that is Gabriel, and he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said, Do not be afraid, Mary for you have found favor with God. In terms of qualifications, the 
text, excuse me, is rather silent. There's nothing really in the account here or Elizabeth's reflection upon Mary as she comes and visits her. Um, there's nothing that suggests that God chose Mary in terms of the contrast of not choosing others. What is it about Mary that God chose her to bring the Savior into the world? Was Mary more religious? Was she more spiritual? Was she more pious? Was she, you know, more talented? Uh, what is it that God said, I'm looking at all these women, all the virgins, and I'm going to pick her? It's not because Mary stands out in a contest. She did not win this qualification by her merits. Right? God appointed her. And he did that for his own purpose and his own glory. And there's very little detail given about why he did that. She is not called blessed. She is not called favored because of the qualifications somehow that's made her stand apart from all the others, her peers. She is blessed because of the mission, the role that is assigned her to bring the Savior into the world. I remember Esther, when we, when we went through the book of Esther, Esther went through a type of contest, a sort of a beauty contest, didn't she? And then finally, not just because of beauty, if I recall correctly, but also other things were included. But uh, she was uh, the one who you know, won the, the first prize and uh, became the queen of, of, of that time uh, period in uh, Babylon. Uh, nothing like that here with Mary. Uh, she's uh, rather ordinary. Um, she, she, she was young. Um, she was definitely a, a believer. So I'm not wanting you to draw the wrong uh, conclusion from my remarks. Um, uh, by way of her response, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Uh, we definitely know that she was a, a child of God. She was a, a serious young woman um, who, um, who had this coming her way. Uh, totally out of the blue skies, uh, unexpectedly. Um, but she is favored because she is favored with this assignment. And the assignment is to bring the Son of God into the world through herself, by the conceiving through this child by the Holy Spirit. That is what sets Mary apart. That's why she is blessed. That's why she is unique among all other women. She will always be the only one who brought the Lord Jesus into the world. That is unique. That is um, uh, to be noted by itself. But she is not to be given merits that are coming from herself that God rewards by which then uh, she is to be honored by us today and venerated and in our Protestant circles, we would uh, say worshipped. Um, that is inappropriate because the text itself does not give us any encouragement to praise her, to lift her up 
as though she were somewhere, somewhere uh, way above us as another fellow human being who looks down upon us and uh, we poor mortals, uh, we, we you know, bring her homage and we bow the knee as it were to her to give her that veneration and adoration. That I think the Bible doesn't give any encouragement for. But what is to be noted, secondly, is her response. It is a noteworthy response. Um, it is showing her humanity, certainly. Uh, she is uh, troubled, it says in verse 29. Greatly troubled, it says, um, at the saying that she is uh, favored by the Lord. Um, and she is just trying to figure out what sort of greeting this might be in verse 29. And the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Uh, he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. She is ordinary. She's like you and me. She's chosen for a unique purpose. But it says at the end, I am the Lord's servant. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. That's Mary's response. What kind of response is this? It's a faith response. You cannot explain this response in any other way than when we know that Mary was um, raised in the Jewish faith and community. Mary knew the expectation of the future Messiah, undoubtedly, I would say. Um, and this is her response. They were waiting for the future one who would restore all things for Israel as a people. And it sounds like without any details being given to us through the word, through the text, uh, it sounds like she was expecting the Messiah so that when the Lord came, she was prepared to hear it and discern it. Yes, there were trials, uh, uh, there were um, um, doubts, there were um, her concerns, her worries, how can this be? But her response is, let it be. Let it be. I'm sure that the Beatles didn't get their title from that uh, text. Uh, let it be. That's the difference. Let it be according to your word. And that's what the Beatles missed out on entirely. And so many in the world. There are plenty of people who will be commissioned to do something and with some sense of uh, duty, um, resignation, they will uh, accept the missions that are given them. Some of them uh, frightening missions, when I think of military contexts, for example. Um, we don't see in Mary's response uh, something like, uh, well, um, you know, uh, if you say so, I will. Uh, or give me time to think it over. Give me 24 hours, and I'll get back to you. 
the Mary responds to God who speaks to her through Gabriel. And when God speaks to you, who are you? Who am I? To not pay attention. I think we're not fully aware of that. Every time we meet as a congregation, every time God speaks to us through his word, when we meditate upon it privately, that the Lord of the universe is talking to us. He is God. He is perfect. It is all of his perfections, his attributes. He is everything that we are not. And so he is the maker. He, we are the creation. He is the creator. Uh, we are mortals. And mortals are blessed with the presence of the Lord in our lives when he speaks to us. That's why when we hear the word of God come to us, it burdens us with responsibility. It's a privilege uh, to be blessed with the grace of God through the gospel proclaimed to us. But what do we do with it? Right? We have a responsibility. God can say to each and every one of us, you heard the message from my word Sunday by Sunday by Sunday, year after year. What did you do with it? How did you respond to it? Or have you ignored it? And there are many who ignore it. Many, I believe, today, more perhaps than it's been a problem all around the history of the church, of course, but it just seems like more and more within the evangelical community, within the Christian community, that the Bible is no longer the final authority that God is giving to us in His Word. It is more a book of advice. It gives us ideas and counsel how to better this or that. But is the Bible the absolute authority? Not because we judge it to be, but we recognize it to be. Not because the church says so, but because God says, Here I am in my Word. And I speak to you through my word. And you can take every word of mine with great seriousness. Because you don't have the option to say, well, I accept this, but I'll reject that. Mary responds by faith. Let it be. As you have said. Let it be to me. This young woman. I know that we talk about how things were different in those days for young women. They, they were, uh, uh, I don't know if her marriage, by the way, was arranged by her parents. I don't know enough about that. But uh, she was uh, at that moment in life where she was already betrothed or engaged to be married to Joseph. Um, so, so that is different from our day and age. Uh, but at, at the same time, she was still a young person and she had to grapple with this amazing announcement and how this all would be because she had not been with Joseph yet um, that at the same time she responds and why we honor Mary is because of her response to the word I think that that is what Elizabeth herself is getting at um, in verse 45 because then uh, we see that the visit takes place. And Elizabeth, after she said, For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And then it says, And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. We honor Mary. We're not anti-Mary. We honor Mary. 
but we honor her because of her response to the word. She is demonstrating herself as a true believer, as young as she was, that she humbled herself in the presence of the Lord. When she heard the words of announcement, she humbled herself, believed the Lord, took him at his word, because she knew the God of the word. And that is something that we also need to uh, foster within our lives, within our church communities, that idea that we not only inculcate information that comes to us from God's word, but that we know the one who brings those words to us. Do you know the God who says, follow me, trust me? Do you know his favor on yourself? Um, this is what uh, the, the Wesleys experienced in their revival of the heart. My heart was strangely warmed, one of them says, because he knew all that stuff very well already. But then something in addition was revealed to him, as it were, that he knew that God loved him, that he was assured of God's mercy on him. Do I know that when I hear these words that God speaks to me today, that it comes from the lips of him who loves me? who demonstrated his love for me because he laid down his son for me. Wouldn't you be able to trust a God like that? And is there any other God in the world who is like that? We know the answer. Our God is a great God. He's a mighty God. He's a wonderful God. And Mary knew that God. So that when he spoke to her, yes, it probably took a few moments, minutes, I don't know how long this all took, but she responded by faith. She knew that the God who spoke to her was the God of the fathers of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God of faithfulness. The God of mercy. The God who keeps covenant with his people. Mary's response is an evidence of God's grace in her life. Let it be. Not fatal resignation, but a trusting in God and in his word, and in his word alone. The consequences, there were deep consequences. <clears throat> no, God, I don't think, was waiting for Mary to accept it, as it were. It's not as if they were sitting at the table, and God said, here's my plan, look it over, put your signature under it, and we'll go from there. Uh, this is not a uh, bargaining situation. This is not a business negotiation. Um, this is how it will be, Mary. You will concede a child. When I was preparing for this message, I don't know if you do the same thing, but I had to think about the time in which we live. When I think about um, women's rights, in the feminist sense of the word. And when I link that with um, um, reproductive rights, uh, the sole sort of autonomous control over the woman's body, um, I thought to myself, um, when Gabriel spoke those words, you will conceive the Son of God. 
I thought of, of how that is so uh, sensitive today when uh, this almost sounds like, oh, but what about Mary's will? What about her autonomy? Uh, isn't this a kind of harsh uh, uh, ruling over her body kind of thing? But then it's important for us to remember that this event took place not in the 21st century. Now this is the time of 2,000 years ago when we didn't have all those things that now filter into the text as it were as we read it as moderns. Um, but Mary by faith says, Lord, I am yours. And by faith she, she, she accepts the mission that her body will be used uh, sovereignly superintended, governed and guided by this Holy Spirit who enables her to conceive what normally cannot be done. There is no human father involved. That Mary responds by faith. Let it be according to your word. I guess my desire would be that in this whole big conversation that takes place in our modern uh, times, that the Christian church would be able to bring the word back into the conversation. That uh, we are not pinpointing fingers about this or that or the other thing, but that we say to any and all persons, this is the word of God. And this is how God came to Mary. And through God's grace, Mary was able to conceive of the, the Son of God, and she gave birth to the Son of God, and it was by her acceptance. Yes, it was. God didn't need it. But the gospel challenge that comes your way today and mine always requires a response, doesn't it? What's your response? What's my response to the Word of God? It had deep consequences. She didn't, she, so it was not her decision, okay, I'll agree. But when she said, let it be, what were the consequences? They were significant. They were immense. God, man, in Mary. The eternal Son of God, conceived, developing, delivered in time. She gave birth to the one who is the author of life itself. And this child she was given birth to was her Lord, her master, her creator. She, the mother, created in his image. <laughs> Isn't that something? It's just mind-boggling to me. The Old Testament hope for the Messiah is in her and comes to this world through her. She trusts the Lord. She accepts her role. May it be to me as you have spoken. What about us? God has spoken his word to us. 
God has given all of us our commission. Not like Mary. Mary's is unique. We honor the role she played. No woman before her or following her will ever be given that, that dignity. But all of us, men and women, we're all called to obey the one who speaks to us through his word and who says, follow me. Take up your cross. Accept me. Mary accepted the Savior into her life, didn't she? This is not something just biological, physiological. This is spiritual. When the challenge came her way, she said, let it be to me. And in so many words, she says, I accept the mission that you give to me personally, and I accept the mission and the ramifications of the one who is the one who is sent from heaven and who will give his life and lay down his life for sinners like me. Mary, you, myself. There's much more going on than her accepting her role as the one who gives birth to the Son of God. She accepts her role by faith. And by faith she accepts that someday a sword will pierce her heart. She's taken up her cross as a follower of the Christ child. So when God calls you and me to follow him, are we? Or are we negotiating? Are we saying, God, let me think it over? I need some time? Or are we saying, let it be? According to your word, no one else's. Amen. Father in heaven, we thank you for the role that you gave to Mary. We do honor her in that regard. We thank you for the role she played. And we thank you that the Lord Jesus is the Son of God in the flesh. What miracle of grace that you bestowed on Mary herself. And through her, we also are the recipients of the grace gift that she delivered in Bethlehem when it was her time. And her time was your time. And your time is that time that has been established from before the beginning of time itself. Lord, we belong to you also. We are your children. We are your sons and daughters by adoption. We belong to you. We belong to you forever. And we can trust you that no matter where you lead us and how you direct our lives, you'll always be with us. Oh, help us, Lord, not to go into our own ways of foolishness and doubt and disbelief. But may we know your word well enough so that the times of challenge come our way. That we recall the promises of God. And they direct and redirect us. They are the compass for us. So that we know exactly what to do, Lord. Whether it be imminently or after some time. But we know when the challenges come our way, what your will is for our lives according to your word. Heavenly Father, we pray now as we... Uh, continue our worship uh, that you will be blessed and honored <coughs> through it 
and that you will hear our prayer for Jesus' sake alone. Amen. Amen.